Hey, if you're new to the church, my name is Taka. Uh, if you're not new to the church, my name is also Taka. We, uh, we are going through uh, the series, uh, going through the book of Proverbs right now, and I'm super stoked about what we're going to talk about uh, today. But before that, there's a couple of key announcements I want to put on your radar. Uh, the first one is I just want to put the kind of feelers out there. Uh, for potentially doing an FPU class. If you guys know what FPU is, it's Financial Peace University. Um, and what it is, is it's, it's walking through kind of the steps, baby steps, to find financial peace. It's from a biblical perspective. Uh, it's nine weeks, so it's a commitment. We're probably not going to start it until after the new year uh, because uh, we're heading into October this week, guys. I mean, it's weird. So October, and then once we tip into kind of like late October, once we like, hit Halloween season, uh, which I think for some of, some of you guys are already here. Any, any guys decorate for fall already? Yeah, Natalie wants to like <laughs> yesterday, yeah. Um, I feel like Hobby Lobby's had Christmas decorations for the past six months already. But anyways, um, once we hit like fall decorations, ha- uh, ha- Halloween and stuff, uh, it's just a blur and then until New Year's, right? So we're not going to try to, to, to find nine weeks in a row on like a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night is going to be like, yeah, right. So, but we want to put feelers out there. So if you're interested in going, hey, I, I would, I would want to be a part of that class, uh, nine weeks, we'd do it midweek, we'd provide food and all that kind of stuff, uh, child care and that sort of thing. It'd probably be on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in that, reach out, let us know. We're kind of going to correlate some, uh, some names and then uh, let you know when we're actually going to do it. But if you're interested in that, uh, let us know. A uh, second thing I want to put on your radar uh, is uh, that we're getting rid of the flooring this week. New flooring is going in this week. Uh, reading in Luke chapter 3 this week, and it says, John the Baptist said, <laughs> I was debating whether I do this or not, uh, it says, that he's talking about Jesus, like the guy's going to come after him. He, says, I'm not, I'm, he's, he goes, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost from the fire. And then verse 17, it says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. And so this is like, I feel like, you know what that is for us as a church? We're going to purge the floor this week of the maroon. If you would like to take any of the maroon carpet with you, just cut some out and take it home, frame it, uh, put it above your bed, you know, to remember the beautiful carpet here. Um, with that, though, tonight at 5 p.m., so uh, we, there's a, you know, remember that church plant that meets in the afternoon here, so we're not going to tear everything down after service. We have to wait till there. They'll appreciate that we wait until uh, their service is done. But 5 o'clock tonight, for anyone that can make it, we're going to clear out every area that's carpeted. So the sanctuary, meeting rooms, kids' classrooms, take everything out of there, putting them in other places, and then sometime this week, Thursday or Friday, we'll let you guys know on social media and stuff. We'll come back here and kind of put everything back together on uh, fresh carpet. So this week, uh, carpet is done, potentially some of the tile in the hallways as well, Uh, the LBT going in the uh, the hallways. Maybe, maybe not, depending on uh, the shipment that's coming from Georgia when it actually gets here. So that's what's happening this week. So uh, next week, uh, it'll hopefully look a lot uh, better, you know, to honor John the Baptist. So, okay, Uh, we're going through a series, uh, the book of Proverbs right now. We are in week three, I believe. Last week, Natalie talked about integrity and integrity along the lines of SMP, sex, money, and power. And if there's any three things that kind of tear down uh, marriages, individuals, uh, nations, it's SMP, man. It's people reaching for sex, money, and power as a reoccurring theme. So finding integrity in those things is uh, super important. I mean, all, I think all of us have been on the other side of someone reaching for sex, money, or power and a lack of integrity in those areas that's impacted your life. A ministry maybe you are a part of or uh, maybe a ministry that you admired from far away, then there was a moral failure uh, happening behind the scenes that was happening for a long time, but then finally revealed 
and you're going, man, another one, another one. So super important. The same thing can happen to you and to me. So now we talk about integrity in those areas. Make sure to go back. If you missed it for whatever reason, uh, go back and listen to the podcast or YouTube or Facebook or uh, whatever. Also, this week we are, when October 1st hits, so this series is going to push all the way through October, like we told you guys before. When October hits, we're going to read through the book of Proverbs together as a church. Okay, so not like we're going to get together every day and read together, but virtually we're going to be together alone separately in our own houses. Uh, so <laughs> the way introverts love it, unite together separately in our own houses. Uh, so uh, we're going to read a proverb a day, and it's really easy, to, 31 days in October, right? So if it's October 3rd, what proverb do you read? October 3rd, yeah, Proverbs chapter 3. Wow, Okay. Uh, so, and then what's going to happen is if on Facebook and on Instagram, you'll see a, a short video, like a 90-second video from different people in the church uh, just talking about their favorite verse or passage uh, in that chapter of Proverbs. It'll be really fun to go through together. So, and here's the thing. If you, if you miss a day, which you might, it's no big deal. Just hop in on the next day, okay? Don't stress out. Don't be like, well, I, I missed today. Well, forget it. I, I'm going to miss the rest of the month. Just Hop back in the next day, okay? Uh, let's, let's, let's get wiser together. I don't know about you, but um, I could definitely use uh, some, to, to learn some more uh, wisdom. And Natalie would probably agree with that. So um, with that, today we're talking about the space between your ears. We're talking about your brain. We're talking about your mind. Uh, today, if you're taking notes, it's called, what, what, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says this. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. There's something connected to, from, uh, between what you think about and who you actually are. And in Scripture, when it says the word heart, uh, sometimes we as Westerners can see heart differently than the biblical writers would have seen it. We can see heart as like passion and emotion. We say things like, follow your heart, right? It's almost like heart and mind are at uh, odds, right? That you follow your heart, you follow your passions, even regardless of what you think about. Or maybe some of you guys want to think about, what do I think about when, when I think about the word heart? Uh, sometimes I think about Captain Planet, um, honestly, and the person uh, that got the, like, the bum gift. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, like, wind, fire, earth, and the kid's got heart. You're like, come on, man, that just stinks. Fine, with your powers combined, right? So, but anyways, heart is not just emotion, it's not just passion. Biblically, heart is the center, it's the intersection of your physical, of your spiritual, and your mental. This is all together, when you, when the, you see the b- biblical word of heart, it's, it's translated in different things depending on what translation you use, but it's, many times it's the same word in scripture if you look at the original languages. So when you look at the Christmas story where people said, uh, you know, Luke said uh, that people pondered these things in their heart. They were logically mulling this thing over or when it says that Mary hid these things in her heart. It's the same word that we see in mind as mind in other places. In Isaiah, where God says, don't forget this. Set this in your mind. It's the same word. Right? Peter, in the book of Acts, when he says each person should give financially as he has decided in his heart. Same word. It's the same word. And a lot of times when it talks about emotions like worry, anxiety, lust, sorrow, hate, or love even. A lot of times when you look at the root word that they're talking about there, it's the same word as we talk about heart and mind. So when I say we're going to use heart and mind interchangeably as we're talking today, as, as scripture does as well. And sometimes the same verse, one translation will say heart, another translation will say mind. And the reason why is because in the original language are the same word. 
So I want you to think about your mind or your heart as a steering wheel of your life, right? Your mind or your heart is a steering wheel of your life. And as you think, so you are. Proverbs says, as you think, so you are. Your thought life is so important. You can't out-act your thought life. You can't out-work your thought life. You can't out-read your thought life. You can't out-hustle. Some of you guys love to hustle. You can't out-hustle your thought life. You can't out-spend your thought life. You can't even out-church your thought life. As your thoughts go, as your thought life go, so goes the rest of your life. Why? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is why Solomon writes in in Proverbs chapter 4, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. And keep this verse up. I want you to think about what this means. Guard your heart. If you are part of a security detail guarding, I don't know, a royal child or something, an ambassador or the president or whatever, right? Justin Bieber, whoever you're guarding, right? As a security detail, your only focus is the welfare, the condition of that individual. You are solely focused. All your efforts are aligned for the health and the welfare of that one individual, right? This is what it means to guard something, right? And King Solomon, who understands security, who had security, right, as a king, he used this word very strategically. Guard your heart. Focus on your heart more than you focus on anything else. If your job is secret service to guard the president, you probably shouldn't be checking Instagram, right? Because you'd probably get let go for that. Why? Because you're not focusing. I'm not saying social media is bad, but there are some things you need to focus on more than anything else. So more than you focus on anything else, more than you focus on your final, or your final fantasy, your fantasy football team. And listen, I know some of you guys have already been checking your fantasy football team while, sir, I already did too, okay? So during worship, I checked to make sure no one got hurt, everyone's fine, right? Because Jesus, right, WWJD, I checked, I checked my final, or fan, I can't say final fantasy, fantasy football um, last week uh, while Natalie was teaching. Sorry, babe. So, <laughs> but, so more than you focus on your fantasy football team, more than you focus on your net worth, and some of us are obsessed You're checking your portfolios constantly every day, right? What's that do to your heart? More than you focus on your retirement strategy and just just rule of thumb, just don't check your retirement accounts right now, okay? It's not going to do good for you. What what goes down must go up or totally crashes and burns, but we'll see what happens, right? So more than you focus on your retirement strategy, more than you focus on your wardrobe, some of you guys really focus on your wardrobe. As you can tell, I don't. More than you focus on your hair or your nails or whatever, right? More than you focus on your, how people perceive you. Some of us, we, are, we, we so focus on how we're seen. Like that is our main focus. More than you focus on any of those things. Focus on your what? Your heart. Why? Because more than any of those things will determine the course of your life, your heart will. So focus on it. And the sad thing is, so many of us, our heart, our mind is an afterthought. Like I've seen people that say, like, almost like proudly say, I haven't read a book since high school. I don't journal, that's for sissies. It's like all this stuff of like, focus on your heart. Focus on your heart. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a heart check. This is, th- these are literally the questions I ask uh, when I do a heart check pretty often in my uh, diary, journal, that no one will ever read, all right? <laughs> it is like bio-protected, uh, okay? Like, you are not going to read this thing because I am 
utterly transparent with this. But I want to walk you through uh, what I do on a regular basis. Just, I just call it a heart check. I don't know if it's a, a thing. But uh, if, you, if you would just close your eyes, I want to guide you through some questions. Go ahead and close your eyes. Even if you're super cool, go and close your eyes. Okay. First question. Has someone hurt you? Has someone hurt you? And it's lodged in your heart. It could be recently. It could be a long time ago, and you just cannot stop thinking about it. Has someone hurt you? And it's stuck in your heart. Maybe you've forgiven them. Maybe you even reconciled with them, but man, it just resurfaces. Has someone hurt you, and it's stuck in your heart? Second question. How do you feel about yourself? Honestly, how do you feel about yourself? When you think about your physique, about, about uh, your, uh, just your life stage right now, when you think about your relationships, when you think about you, uh, who you're becoming, when you think about who you've become, when you think about your habits, when you think about you, how do you feel about yourself? Next question. What dreams do you have for the future? Do you have dreams for the future? Maybe you used to and kind of given up on them. What dreams do you have for the future? Next question. Have you invited Jesus to have full access to every corner of your heart? Not just part, every corner of your heart. Have you invited Jesus to have full access? Next question. Any disappointments? Any disappointments that keep lingering, that you haven't fully grieved? Next question. Any sin growing in the shadows? that you need to deal with? Any sin growing in the shadows that no one else may even know about, but you know, and God knows, that you need to deal with it? Last question. Any skeletons, any skeletons in the closet that are festering, that are turning into shame, turning into guilt and condemnation, and you need to give them to Jesus? Any things you, maybe you did recently or you did a long time ago, and they're just, your heart keeps on bringing them up. You need to surrender them to Jesus. All right. I'm going to open your eyes. and get off the hot seat. Heart check. It's a simple, it takes two minutes. How's your heart doing? How's your heart doing? Right? It's super important to do. It's not cool, right? There's no tweetable phrase from any of that, but man, if you could do that on a regular basis, you'll get like a, like a gauge cluster on a, on a, on a, like a, like a, chip or something, you'll, you'll see exactly kind of where your heart is. Even during those few questions, there are some things that stirred up in your heart of, I need to deal with this. I need to deal with this, right? I'd encourage you to do a heart check on a regular basis. Just take 10 minutes. It's worth it. It's worth it. And you're like, man, I don't have the time to do that. Yes, you do. You know, every week when you see your, your, your phone, uh, Andrew, people, I don't know what world you live in, but for, for Christians, I use iPhones. Um, Every week, that thing pops up and says, you've spent this many hours a day on your screen, right? Just looking at your screen. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying you have time. You have time to focus on your heart, okay? Um, your life is always moving. Your life is always moving. And none of us are stagnant. None of us are, are like stationary. Our, our lives are always moving. You're always becoming something. And just when you get a handle on one stage of your life, life changes, doesn't it? Just when you get a handle on, oh, I know what it feels like to be, you know, single, then you are dating. When you have a handle on this job, then your career changes. Or we get a handle on this boss at your work, then the boss changes. Or your kids grow up, or a pandemic shuts down the world, or whatever the situation is, right? Like, there's constantly change. Think about who you were two years ago. 
Who were you two years ago? And who you are today? You're not the same person, are you? I'm not. I'm not. Think about the relationships you had two years ago, the relationships you have today. Think about what you believed two years ago, what you believe today. Your perspective on different issues and what your perspective today. Maybe your habits two years ago and your habits today, your eating habits, your exercise habits, your evening routine, right? Your Bible reading, your prayer, spiritual disciplines, right? What were your habits two years ago, and what are your habits today? For me, I know there's people that I was really close to two years ago. I would call them dear friends, and our lives just kind of drifted apart. We're not like enemies. It wouldn't be awkward to see them at Trader Joe's or anything, but man, we just have grown apart. It's almost like when you're a senior in high school, and you're telling your buddies, you're like, we're gonna be friends for life, right? And just like, you haven't talked to them in 15 years, right? So there's people I was close to that we just kind of drifted apart. There's other people I did not know two years ago. And I would call them dear friends today. I, I, exercise is a huge deal for me. I know you can't tell, uh, but I work really hard for my one pack. I, I, went, I went into a slump uh, exercising during all the COVID because I couldn't go to the gym. I could have worked out at home. I know push-ups are free and all that. Burpees are free. I just didn't care anymore. I just didn't. I was like tomorrow, 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 right? Because I was super busy. No, I wasn't. But I, I went to a slump with exercise, and I'm kind of working my way out of that slump. My, our, our kids are older. Our kids two years ago were like middle schoolers. One was a freshman. That's like an older middle school, right? They were like essentially middle schoolers. And now they're full-on teenagers, high schoolers, and everything that comes with that, right? All the passion and energy that comes uh, with that about everything. So kids are older. That's a different stage. I have more, um, let's call them non-black hair than I used to have, a little more salt, uh, less pepper, right, in, in my hair. I don't like that. I'm trying to navigate, God, what do you want me to do uh, with that, you know, and do I diet? Do I shave everything? What do I do, you know? Um, my joints are achier than they used to be. That's a real thing, but you know what's so wild? In the middle of all that, I'm more motivated than ever. I'm more excited than ever about what God is doing in the church. I'm more excited than ever about what God is doing in your lives. Every time that we grab coffee or grab lunch and I hear about what God is doing in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, I'm excited, I'm pumped more than ever, even more than when we were planting the church. I feel like we're replanting the church now post-COVID. But I'm more excited than ever. But your life is always moving. Your life is always changing. And why is that important as it relates to thoughts? Is that your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. You can keep that up here. When I was, um, I think I was about eight years old, uh, we lived uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, and we lived at the bottom of a hill on Cinema Drive East. And we used to, and we lived, the hill, it was a big hill, the kind of hill that all the kids like bombed down on their, uh, on their bikes and skateboards and stuff back in the day. So um, we lived at the bottom of the hill and we'd always bomb down this hill. And I remember my parents had just bought me this brand new Huffy. And it was gold and had blue like pads uh, on the, whatever, the handlebars and on the, the whatever the, that thing is. Like every, it was just padded, blue. Okay, it's golden blue. It was awesome. It had blue tires. It was just so cool. It was so cool. Anyways, I was bombing on this, this, this hill. The difference about this bike, my old bike, which is like a, a little kitty bike, not the adult bike that I had just gotten, but the, the kitty bike was, it didn't have any hand brakes, right? You would actually pedal backwards to brake. You guys remember these? This bike, you pedal backwards and it just makes sound. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. So, reason why that's important, I was bombing down this hill, gaining speed, right? And I'm 
going towards my neighbor's house, Jenny and Jessica Kwok's house, and their dad had just put in a brand new mailbox, okay? And so I'm like, I'm like gaining speed. In my head, I'm going like warp three at this point. I'm like, like going towards the mailbox. I'm, I'm focusing on the mailbox going, don't hit the mailbox. Don't hit the mailbox. Don't hit, was what I'm doing. I'm steering towards the mailbox. I'm like, I literally can go, there's a huge street. I can just go to the left, but I'm just going like, like laser focused on this mailbox. I hit the brakes, finally hit the brakes. I'm like, oh yeah, it's not doing anything. I got to hit the handbrakes, hit the handbrakes. Then realize that one does the back brake, one does the front brake. Hit the front brake. I literally, I wish there were like, like, um, like doorbell cameras back then, because I would love to see the footage of it. In my head, I was like evil Knievel flying in the air, but I was probably just barely, you know, but <laughs> I was eight years old. But anyways, flew off the front end of my bike, hit the mailbox with my head, and took the mailbox out of the ground. <laughs> Next thing I know, my mom is coming out freaking out, you know, thinking that her, her kid's going to bleed to death in the front yard. Um, but what happened was I moved in the direction of my most dominant thought. And my most dominant thought was, don't hit the mailbox. So what did I do? I hit the mailbox. And some of you guys that are learning how to drive or things like that, you've, you've done the same thing, right? You're like going, don't hit the pothole. Don't hit the pothole. What do you hit? You steer towards the pothole. And it's the same thing with our lives. The principle is true. You will move, always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. So if you think you can't do something, you know what? You probably won't. If you think you can, there's a good chance you will. If you dwell on problems, not because you want to problem solve them, but because you're like, you just think about them and think about them and think about them. And look, we all have problems, right? But when you dwell on your problems, what happens? They overwhelm you. When you look for solutions, you know what? You'll probably see some. A lot of times when you, when you feel like a victim, you have victim mentality. Now, I'm not saying if you're actually a victim, that is a whole other issue. But if you have like, almost like have a victim mentality, everyone's out to get you, you know what? You'll act like one. But if you believe you're an overcomer, if you believe that God's with you, if you believe you can overcome any challenge that you're in, you know what? Most likely, you will. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. This week, I, I, I originally had, when I originally, the first draft of this teaching had like three points, like a normal, uh, like Jesus used to teach, Right? And they all start with the same letter. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but I actually boiled it down because I'm going, you know what? That, that's too much. I, I, I don't want, it was actually point number two. I didn't want point number two to get lost in, that, in the middle of everything else. So I just took away point number one, point number three, and today's just a one-point teaching. Because I don't want you to lose because this is so powerful. I don't want you to leave today going, cool, went to church, heard, heard a neat little talk. If you can actually do this, if you can actually implement this, if you can actually systematize this as a habit in your life, because you create habits and your habits create you, if this can be a habit in your life, I'm telling you, it will change your life, your relationships, your finances, how much God can use you. It'll affect all of that. So the life you have, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. The life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. Romans 12, Paul says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And he's, he's not talking about don't go to like movie theaters and don't wear name brands. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, look, there's a way that everyone else does things. There's a way that everyone else lives their life. Don't just copy that stuff. If it's good, yeah, sure, do it. But don't just mindlessly copy the behavior, the customs, the fads of everyone else going around you. Engage your mind and say, is that wise for me to do? And then do that. But then he goes on. 
He says, let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by going to church. That's not what he says. Let God transform you into a new person by hustling hard, by reading a book a day, by listening to podcasts, by taking a nap, by drinking a gallon of water a day. Are those bad? No. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, it doesn't say transforming into a new person by joining a small group and, and, and joining a serving team. It doesn't say that. Those things aren't bad. Obviously, I believe in them. He says, you'll be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. Change the way you think. And what changing the way you think means, you used to think this way. Now you need to think this way. <laughs> you need to change it. Change how you think. In other words, you need to think about what you're thinking about. Change your thinking, and you change your life. So here's your one point for today. You ready? You need to differentiate between lies and truth. That's it. We're going to dive into that. You need to differentiate between lies and truth. There is a narrative going on in your mind that no one else hears, but you hear it over and over and over again. And it's custom made for you. Maybe it sounds like this. If anyone really knew you, they wouldn't like you. If anyone really knew you, not the, not the you that you project, but the real you, if anyone really knew you, they wouldn't like you. So don't get too close to people. Or maybe it sounds like this. You're an imposter. You're an imposter. And one day people will see who you really are, who you know you are. Maybe it says you have to do whatever it takes. You have to do whatever it takes so that people are impressed by you. You need to be impressive. So you need to spend money you shouldn't spend on cars and clothes and houses. You need to do whatever it takes because people need to feel a certain way by, about you. And you need to project that image. You need to craft that image on social media so people see you the way you want to be seen. You have to do whatever it takes. That's the most important thing. Maybe the voice sounds like, you'll never succeed. You'll never succeed. Oh, you, it looks like things are going up right now? It's going to crash and burn. Just wait. You'll never succeed. That dream you have in your heart? Come on, who are you kidding? You, you can't do it. They can do it. You can't. Maybe the voice says, uh, you can't let anyone really know what you struggle with. Right? Only you, no one else struggles with that. Come on, that's gross. But how, do you, how do you struggle with that still? If anyone really knew that you struggle with that, they'll reject you. Maybe the voice sounds like the only one that matters is you. You're the only one that matters. Other people are only valuable if they can help you. And if they can't, push them to the side. You're the only one that matters in this world. Maybe it sounds like you'll never amount to anything. Your life will never get any better than this. So don't even try. Maybe the voice says that all Christians are hypocrites. All of them. So don't even bother. And the reality is, those aren't true. Those aren't true. And I can see by the look in your eyes that you're going, yeah, that one, that one's me. That one's me. And it's not true. You need to differentiate between lies and truth. Now, are there some times where there's, there's the Lord convicts you of things? And you're like, Taco, that's negative. Should I just ignore that? No. I'm not talking about just look at pictures of cats playing piano all day, okay? And think about positivity. Sometimes the Lord says, you need to deal with that. You need to deal with that sin in your life. You need to go reconcile with that person. And you feel kind of crummy for a, for a season because you're going, I need to deal with that. 
It's not who I am. It's disrupting the peace. Here's the truth in your life. You ready? You are forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 says, you are forgiven. You are chosen by God, Ephesians says. God wants you to prosper in all things, 3 John 2 says. You can trust in God's timing. I trust in God's timing, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You are loved. You are loved, Isaiah 43. Your past doesn't define you. Your past doesn't define you, Isaiah 43. God answers my prayers. God answers your prayers, Mark chapter 11. God comforts my anxiety, Psalm 94. I will not give up, Galatians chapter 6. God comforts me, 2 Corinthians 1. I will fear no evil, Psalm 23. My voice is always heard by God, Psalm 116. God is always with me, Matthew 28. My heart and my mind have peace, Philippians 4. I am complete in God, Colossians chapter 2. And I know for some of you guys are like, oh, I, can't, I couldn't write all those down fast enough. We're going to send them out to you. We'll get them to you somehow. But some of us need to put this stuff up where we can see them constantly because we need to combat the lies that are in our heads. This is the truth. And we could have gone for the next hour talking about different verses and what they say. When a negative thought dominates your mind, you need to kick that thought out and replace it with the truth. You can't just say, stop thinking about it, stop thinking about it. Because even if you are saying stop thinking about it, you're still thinking about it. You need to replace it. Right? You can't go, I don't want pizza. I don't want pizza. I don't want pizza. You know what you're thinking about? Pizza. All right? So <laughs> you need to replace it with something else, like stuffed crust pizza. Anyways, um, <laughs> so you need to say it out loud. You need to say it out loud. Some of us need to put these verses or these truths and write them down, put it on a post-it note, stick it on our mirrors. We need to get them tattooed on our, on our hands. We need to put them wherever we put them on our, on our, on our car. You need, whatever it takes, put them in places that you're going to see them because we need to rewire, we need to change the way we think. And that doesn't happen by accident. Some of us need to say it out loud. And you need to hear yourself say it out loud. That's really important. I remember years ago, I was in seventh grade, and my, um, uh, our gym teacher, Mr. Navoda, uh, he caught me doing something. I can't remember what I was doing. I was like throwing like uh, stink bombs in people's lockers or something. Um, something uh, Jesus asked me to do. And, it, um, and he confronted me, and I was like, I remember I was, we were in his office, and it was like a, a broom closet, it felt like. And I was like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. I'm, you know, it's really tough, seventh grader weighing like 80 pounds. And um, he kept me, are you sure? If you, if you did, you just need to confess. You just need to, it'd be better for you if you just confess. And when I finally heard myself say, I did it, I did it, I bawled. I mean, I just lost it. As somebody, there's something powerful. And a lot of you guys have had that experience where you thought certain things, you felt certain things, I need to tell this person something. But then when you said it out loud and you heard yourself say it out loud, there's a different energy, isn't there? This is why the Bible says that faith comes by what? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Some of us, why do you need to say verses out loud? Why do you need to say truths out loud? Because you need to say it. You need to hear yourself say it. It's part of rewiring your brain. And I'm sure there are studies about why that's actually true. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, we demolish arguments. We demolish arguments. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, if there's any truth, so-called truth, 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we demolish it. We kick it out as a lie. And then he says, we take captive every thought, like a guard in front of our heart. Hey, you're not allowed here. We take captive every thought. We kick it out, make it obedient to Christ. Say, hey, you need to go talk to the king. You're not allowed to be here. That lie, you're not allowed to be here. That's not true. You're going to poison the heart. You're not allowed to be in here. You're going you're to poison relationships if, have, if, if, if we allow the heart to believe that. You're not allowed in here, right? So my old pastor, southern guy, um, Sam Mayo, uh, he, 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 he brought a few of us that are kind of like pastoral interns into his office one day. There was like a dozen of us, and we were young, early 20s, and he was probably in his 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And he, he was talking about this topic, about guarding our minds. He was talking about, hey, nothing will take you down faster in ministry than inappropriate uh, decisions around money and around relationships with women. Those two things will take you down. So you need to f- figure out how to renew your mind to not deal with those things. We're talking about lust and all that kind of stuff. And, and we're like, how do you stop these thoughts from coming in your head, Right? You know, I walk by Victoria's Secret at the mall. I, I, you know, and he's like, he, he said this is so th- southern. He goes, he goes, look, you, you can't keep a bird from flying overhead, but I can keep it from making a nest in my hair. Right? I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it, right? It was so funny. I was thinking about that as, as we're you know, preparing for this message. And like, you can always tell where birds have been, right? You can always tell in your neighborhood or wherever where birds hang out. And you know how you can tell? bird crap, right? Everywhere around there, right? You, you guys know this. You guys know this, right? Some, maybe they hang out in the power lines of the tree by your house, and you know exactly where they're at because they're directly above all that junk on the ground, right? You know that. And <laughs> how it relates to this is some of us, some of us have been letting birds nest in our hair. Negative thoughts, you know, nest in our hair, take up root. They're having babies in our hair, all right? And then you wonder why your head is full of crap right? Why is my mind full of so much junk? Because you let negative things nest in your hair, take up residence in your mind. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. There's actually papers, so many papers. Just Google it. The thoughts of negativity, negative thinking on your, on your life. There are just so many results. There's one I read this week. It's 43 pages long. And it was published by the National Center for Biotechnology Information. The title is this. It says, not all emotions are equal, the negativity bias and social emotional development. And it was talking about how we understand that whatever you think about, whether positive or negative, creates synaptic highways, stronger neural pathways, right? Like grooves in the gray matter, right? But it goes on. It says it actually rewires your brain chemistry. Uniquely negative thinking over positive thinking, it rewires. It actually increases white matter, which is the stuff you don't want, and decreases gray matter. Actually, it says that negative thinking can be, a, 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 there's serious linkages between that and dementia, right? And then it says this, and I, I'm like, this is so good, I just got to quote it and put it on the screen. So if you want to read it, just Google this, and you'll see the whole 43-page paper if you want. It says, um, it says that neg- neg- negative thinking does this. It's, it's strengthening pathways in the brain to make us more likely to continue seeing the glass as half empty. We understand that. Neur- neural pathways, synaptic highways, that's, that, that's like, yeah, that makes sense. Next one it says, our brain imaging work shows that feeling bad further affects the brain, reducing activity in the area in- involved with self-control, judgment, and planning. So you make worse, pl- you, make, you have worse self-control, 
You have poor judgment. You have poor planning as a result of negativity. This increases the odds of making bad decisions, which leads to more ANTs, which is automatic negative thoughts. In other words, the, the birds are nesting in your hair. It becomes a, a, a reoccurring thing, which makes you feel worse. It's a downward spiral that can take a serious toll on your well-being. And they go on to talk about all the physical effects on your body, just negative thoughts. Well, you know what King Solomon would say if you would read that report today? He'd go, yeah, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Proverbs says in chapter 13, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of us, we've been putting hope away from us. We've had hope leave us for so long. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And we're training ourselves to have almost negative faith, and your heart is sick. You feel it, don't you? Your heart just is not healthy. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And so a few questions I want to ask you. What lie is repeating in your heart? What lie is repeating in your heart? The reason why I thought it was so important just to cop on this, this one point is because your thought life, the negative thoughts, the lies that are in your head are uniquely tied to you. I can't just say, well, here's the thing. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know how the enemy has crafted a lie specifically for you, specifically for your insecurities, your ambitions, your relationships, your past, your present circumstances. So what lie is repeating in your heart? Maybe it's one that we talked about. Maybe it's something totally different. But you know the thing that repeats in your head that is not true. Second, then, what biblical truth are you going to replace it with? You can't just say, I'm not going to think about that. Pizza, right? You, you have to kick it out and replace it with a biblical truth. So what biblical truth are you going to replace it with? And if you're like, I don't know the Bible well enough, tell me the lie. Text me, call me, stop by the house, right? <laughs> tell me what lie it is, and I would love to find Bible verses to help you combat that lie. So what biblical truth are you going to replace it with? And the third thing, how are you going to remind yourself of that? Often, often. Because that negative lie has been rooted in your heart. It has taken up residence. It's had babies in your heart, right? You know this to be true. So it's not going to be like, oh, I wrote this down on a piece of paper at church, and so it's all fixed now, right? No, you have to remind yourself of it often to rewire, to change. Not change your thoughts, change the way you think. So remember what we said before. Think of your mind as the steering wheel of your life. You can't outact your thought life. You can't outwork your thought life. You can't outread your thought life. You can't outhustle your thought life. You can't outchurch your thought life. As your thought life goes, so goes your life. And if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. If you don't control what you think, you will never control what you do. I want to end with this passage in the book of Psalms. And it's written by David, King David. And he was, you know, used by God, had a close relationship with God. God used him in huge ways. And then he became king and became kind of cocky. And he kind of thought of God less and thought of himself more. And then he made a series of really stupid decisions. And a guy named Nathan, a prophet, called him out. And he goes, David, what the heck, man? You're wrong. You're wrong. Just own it. Own it. And then David, what, what does he do? He doesn't, he doesn't use the, the king card. He doesn't go, come on, Nathan, you know who I am? I can have you killed, man. I'm the king. He doesn't do that. He doesn't use his power. He doesn't use his position to try to wiggle out of it. He knew he was wrong. Nathan painted a picture. 
of the way David used to be, the way he wanted to be, and knew how he was not that person anymore. And David fell to his knees. He said, I have sinned against God. He was, the Bible says he was broken. He was broken inside because he realized how far he had drifted from who he was before. And then he writes Psalm 51. There's a few verses in Psalm 51 I want us to read through. He says this, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, which means my sin. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. Come on, I know what I did. And my sin is always before me. There it is. Reoccurring thoughts, nesting. I know what I, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm glad Nathan called me out because I know what I did and it's been haunting me. And then he says this, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. I can't do it. God, can you renew my heart? Can you create in me a pure heart? Because I used to have a pure heart and somehow things got mixed up along the way. Can you create a pure heart in me? Can you renew a steadfast spirit in me? Your translation may say loyal spirit, a spirit that doesn't wander. God, I, would you renew? Because I used to be like that, God. Can you renew that in me? And then he says my favorite part. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. If your heart's been sick for any amount of time, my guess is that joy has left your heart. It's been a while since you felt joy. Maybe happiness in a moment when you bought a new thing or you had a cool experience. But that joy, that joy that doesn't come from stuff, that joy that comes from deep within, that, wa that deep well of living water Jesus talked about. If you're honest, man, if, it's been a while. If, you, if, you're, if you're giving into negative things for any amount of time, that joy is gone, and specifically the joy of your salvation. Like, man, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. Jesus dies in a relationship with him. And for so many of us, it's just like, mm. if, you're, if you've been giving into negative thinking, everything's just kind of gray. Everything's kind of just, it's not that you are anti it. You just don't care. It's just, uh, right? And David realized that, and he says, renew the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So as we end, we're going to take communion and we're going to sing one last song together. I want to read a declaration over you. When I think of the word encourage, encourage to me, I don't even know, if, I, don't, I don't know the the etymology of it, but it, it's, to me, it puts, when I encourage somebody, it's to put courage into somebody. I want to put courage in them, right? And I want to put a declaration, I want to say a declaration over you to put courage back in you, to let you know, remind you of who you are. So could you stand to your feet? I'm going to read this over you. This is who you are. You are strong and mighty. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You are the light of hope in a world of darkness. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. You have God-given power to demolish the enemy's lies in your life. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the word of God guiding your steps. You demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is who you are. Your God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. 
this is who you are. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. He says you're forgiven. He says you're redeemed. He says you're free. Worry is not your master. Anxiety is not your master. Depression is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your heart. His peace guards your mind. And his peace guards your soul in Christ Jesus. You are empowered. You are chosen. You are called. You are the masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Your God will bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Not death, not demons, not anything you've ever done, not the past or the present. No power on earth will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is who you are. My challenge to you is that you remind yourself of that often because the lies are not true. This is who you are. So dwell on it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Because as you think, so you are. Let me pray for you. God, I just pray. Would you help to rewire our brains? God, some of us have built habits of negativity. Would you help to put guards over in front of our heart and to kick those negative thoughts out? Would you replace them with your truth? Would we see ourselves and our situations through your perspective? God, we pray for your grace. Would you renew the joy of our salvation? Would you renew a steadfast spirit? Would you transform our minds by changing the way that we think? God, we need you. Man, me most of all, God, I need you. Can't do this on my own. But all I know is I'm not going to give one more day to negative thinking. It's done nothing positive in my life. So God, we honor you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.